The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki season two now streaming only on Disney Plus. You are listening to Absent Minded, brought to you by Habs Eyes on the Prize.com. Hello and welcome to another new episode of Absent Minded, the top 25 under 25. It's me, Patrick Bexel, and if I count it on my fingers correctly, it will be the lucky number 13 episode of this new season. And I'm joined with uh, by actually uh, Sam McGilligan uh, from uh, McKean's Hockey, former colleague of mine, and one person that actually did reach out and wish me all the best. When I joined McKean's and when I left McKean's, thank you for joining us, Sam. Thank you for having me. It's brilliant, and um, you guys, you put in a lot of effort. I, I spent this year trying to understand how much effort goes into to all your video scouting, and uh, yeah, I'm impressed. And uh, I can <laughs> just, I can just recommend anyone to try it for a year and and see what kind of work goes into this because it's not as easy as it looks maybe on Twitter or or on different websites. Yeah, definitely not. It was something that kind of caught me off more when I started like really going in with it, like because I was doing it for a few years, but I wasn't particularly good and I was still relatively new. And then once the 2020 came around, I kind of just like decided to go all in, like just double, triple the effort. Let's just see what happens. The end of the year came and I was just like exhausted. But I mean, a pandemic didn't help, but uh, it, it was like it was exhausting. And then 21, just it, it immediately segued into 21. So it was pretty much two straight years of just going at super high pace. I remember when the 21 draft ended, I didn't touch the next one for like three months. I was like, I'm out. I'm tapping out. I'm taking a break. Yeah. Now this year you have World Juniors coming on more or less three weeks after the draft as well. So yeah, uh, luckily it's. Um, <laughs> I don't it's an August tournament this year and no one is informed so it's not that important compared to usual uh that really helps uh it still is always fun watching Bedard of course because Connor Bedard he's Connor Bedard like come on man like you just watch this kid he's he's never not in form his out of form is still like absurd uh, and and we have to congratulate we're recording this day after the uh, the uh, championship game between Canada and Finland uh, a bounce yeah. here and there for for the decider <laughs> and uh, congratulations Canada for winning that gold. I thought it would be Finland twenty twenty uh, or yeah twenty two for 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 the full year winning Olympics world champs and then going and winning the world juniors as well. Unfortunately, it didn't happen for for me as a European, but fair play to Canada. Uh, we're here though to talk about three very interesting uh, players on spot fifteen, fourteen, and thirteen. And um, Sam, um, me as a European, uh, Riley Kidney was drafted in the 21st draft, uh, second round, 63rd spot. He had three games in the World Juniors we, we just spoke about, but 100 points in the queue. For me as a European, how good is that in his draft plus one year? You need to be a damn good player to score 100 points in the queue. Don't get me wrong. The... Uh... It, it being able to drive offense in the CHL at any level requires 
at least one of two things. You can be exceptionally intelligent to the point where you can just spot defensive gaps and defensive weaknesses all the time and exploit them. Or you need to be overly skilled uh, or and not even just skilled, like overly toolsy in any way, whether it be physicality or just hands skating, whatever, or combine them really well. Obviously, that's better. And be able to attack players, get your isolation victories and one-on-ones, and then like segue that into finding general success. Uh, the one thing that is you got to remember, as much as it kind of sucks, is... Ooh, I watch all three CHL leagues and the top teams are relatively equal across all three leagues. There are some pretty poor defensive structures in the bottom half of the QMJHL teams that do some really ridiculous things. Sometimes it's almost like I've talked about it before when I was looking at Jordan Dumais hundred point season this year and trying to figure out how the, how the hell he scored hundred points, but he's going in the third, fourth round of the NHL draft. It's because a lot of these points are scored by the defense kind of treats it like five separate one-on-ones and ra- instead of like a five on five unit. And that makes it easy for players like Riley Kidney, who's really skilled. Don't get me wrong. Like that kid's got legit skill to get in, beat his man and then everyone kind of goes oh crap and scrambles and it becomes chaos and there are some players who are just amazing at navigating it and finding ways to generate scoring chances riley kidney is absolutely one of them he's much better than i thought he was at the time of the draft uh i didn't see too much of him in 21 just because you can either watch a lot of players or you can watch like a middle amount, but watch them well and understand them and at some point you like i did one game of kidney and was like Meh, it wasn't his best showing. I did another game towards the end of the year and I was like, oh, that was, you know, better. But it, it, he just like, he, it wasn't enough to make me go, okay, well, I need to like force some viewings in of this kid. And maybe I should have because he's definitely more intriguing than I thought he was, especially in a full season when he gets full camp and everyone's in, you know, form after, because, you know, last year was a bit of a mess. Whereas this year it was a lot more, it was a lot easier to read some of these players. I don't know what Riley Kidney's going to be in terms of like his NHL projection or where he's going to go. Still, he has the skill to make it like the hands are definitely there. He has good habits of reading the ice in terms of like physical habits of like scanning before receiving pucks, shoulder checking while carrying, et cetera, et cetera. How this will turn into reads against not only higher paced players who are faster, more athletic, and more intelligent, but also will play much more cohesive. I, it's kind of still a bit too hard to tell. Like projections from the QMJHL are a bit trickier, which is why some of the top prospects end up going lower in the draft, or some of them just like they put up a lot of points but don't end up being much in the NHL. It's really hard to be a Maverick Bork who just stands out like heads and tails above the rest. Like I, Maverick Bork is 100% the real deal, just like Dawson Mercer was, just like Alexi Lafreniere was. Like when you can see them, I guess the easiest way to describe Kidney is actually is like compared to somebody like Maverick Bork who also scored at a ridiculous pace this year. Maverick Bork is able to manipulate three or four of those defenders whether they're in 1v1s like focusing on their he can manipulate anybody and everything to do whatever he wanted at the ice he was seeing on the game like three four levels above everyone else he looked like an nhl at least maybe not player in terms of physicality and like skill development he's 
there. That won't get me wrong, but like he still has room to grow. But he looked like an NHL brain playing junior hockey. Riley Kenny still has junior player brain. It's just a really effective one. So like when it's when you're still in that sense, the projectability is still a little tricky, which is why I I don't want to say he doesn't he's not gonna become something because the tools are really enticing. And Montreal's new development regime seems to be very focused on developing skills in practical ways. You can see by the people they hired. You can see by the players they're selecting as well. Um, the, like the 2022 draft selections by Ken Hughes scream like an entire a whole philosophical change within development, drafting, youth, everything. So if this was the old uh, regime, I wouldn't be as optimistic with Riley Kidney, not so much because of the player himself, but just the difficulty of taking someone's play style, especially when they've been really good at something for three years. And then you throw them in the AHL. It's better. It's faster. It's higher paced. It's more physical. It's grown men. So you're playing against stronger players as well in small areas. You have less time to make decisions. You, the decisions you need to make need to be much more accurate. You have like, there's so, there's so many different barriers that overcome simultaneously that that cue to AHL jump can be really tricky with the new regime might actually be a lot smoother. So I, I think 15 is probably the perfect spot for Riley Kidney because there's something there. He's definitely on an upwards trend, which is like you really want to see that from a second round pick in their D plus one. How he fills out, not so much physically, fills out makes it seem like it's physically. How his development fills out over the next few years is going to be really interesting to watch. I, I'm very curious, like if he continues this upwards trend, to where he's now one of the best players in the queue, just straight up next year, where he's driving a first line and scoring tons of points. And it's not just about in the offensive zone. It's like outside of the offensive zone. Like you need to be great in transition. You need to be able to play off puck as a, you need to be able to make decisions as the primary carrier. You need to be the capable as a close support guy. You need to be able to stretch the ice and know what to do if the puck makes it to you. You need to be know when to rotate back and cover for your defenses. And you can't like mess up any of this because if you do good players, once you reach the A or even you know, since we're talking NHL projection, they, they will just exploit you within like that. That's it. You create you missing one rotation. You just led to a high danger chance. Your coach is pissed. So I'm really excited to kind of follow what's going to happen with him next year because he wouldn't have been my pick and I was a little bugged by it at the time, but I'm starting to see where they were coming from at least, especially because most of the players that went around that range aren't really sticking out either. And he is becoming one of the more enticing players that could have been selected there. And I do think that there's a chance that he becomes something much, much better than I thought originally would have uh, guessed. A f- fellow scout and uh, a player, a, a guy we lean on, uh, had him at uh, 22. Hadi Kalakesh, obviously, and and I had him at 17. Um, the uh, Matt Drake had him at 10, and the community as a whole had him at 16. So it, it he's is in a kind of close bracket when it comes to projection, and and with 53 players to rank. It, yeah, it's it's kind of solid for him to end up in that kind of bracket as well. Um, yeah. As as you mentioned, transitioning into the AHL sooner or later, it, it's it's tougher as well because you bring in all these top players from everywhere. 
you bring them in from 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 Liga, you bring them in from SHL, you bring them in from from West Coast, you bring them in from the South, you bring them in from Canada as a whole, and and from from the metropolitan area and the US, and 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 you have to fight a little bit for survival as well. So so uh, and obviously with that comes a little bit of a language problem, and and see how you adjust to that and people thinking well. hockey That's really hockey different ways. So yep. so it's very interesting to see and. Um, he will be in, in, in the queue this year again. And, and what should we really look for? You mentioned a few things that, you know, leading the line. Would you also look for him to maybe lead the team as a captain or, or, or that kind of role? Or would you focus more on the on ice? It's hard to make a statement about that one without knowing him personally. Some players are built to be proper leaders and kind of like the leadership is something that develops almost alongside the actual on ice capabilities. Right. But with other players, that's just not who they are. They, they're, they're more game. They just need, they can lead on the ice through the actual like driving play and being like a primary dude who directs traffic and like people play off of them and stuff like that. And though it's important that those players are, are have good fit with the chemistry, but they, there's a bit of a difference there between that and like peer leadership. With any player, I would say, you know, developing as a leader off ice is always like the right thing, especially with where you're going like that. Having the right head on your shoulders is really, really important. It's a huge reason why public scouts are at a disadvantage in terms of interviews, like a player who looks magnificent on the ice at 18 and has developed throughout the year and this and that could like to us, we're watching him and they're like, he's incredible. And then the teams interview him and he's just, they're just like, he's a, he's words I won't use, or he's, a, he's um arrogant. He doesn't really think to he doesn't over he doesn't place enough emphasis on the mistakes he made he doesn't seem to he, he thinks his development path is this but he he's overvaluing himself like he's more likely to be a player like this and those things can always be a bit of a problem but I, like i from what i know which is very little like he seems like an all right player my thing with kidney is like not just being the primary guy who's in the offensive zone but like you being extremely skilled at driving transition and getting defensive exits and playing support and defense and playing off pocket. Those are like the most un, not underrated because everyone knows they're important, but I don't think people realize how important they are in development. Like if those aren't making leaps alongside someone's on puck skill, especially if it's just, if their on puck skill is kind of limited to the offensive zone, those are the prospects who you can just kind of look at and be like, yeah, they won't make it in the NHL because as great as they are in the offensive zone, they're getting into that spot 10, 15 times a game to make some plays and they'll score a point or two every game from it. Whereas like in the NHL, they won't even get in that spot. They'll get one every three games, maybe. And it's by pure coincidence that play broke down that way. And they were standing there and they're like, oh, wait, holy crap, I know this. And then they make the play and they're like, yeah. And then it's three more games of them doing almost nothing because they're always behind play. They're always lagging. They're not supporting their teammates. Like it's a five-man effort. And if you can't contribute to it, your coach isn't going to like it. Your teammates aren't going to use you as much. Like it, it's really tricky. Those are the things that he needs to work on the most i think that's the biggest gap between the q and the other two leagues right now is the the five separate one-on-ones as i keep referring to is it's not really an offensive zone problem like it can be if you're certain players but like the the high-end ones and riley kidney is one 
they 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 can find a way to they're not dumb like they they're that's the environment they play in but they are capable of more like if riley kenny went to the yo he's not going to be like oh my i have no clue what i'm doing like he he did it would be a teensy bit of an adjustment period maybe but he'd be fine it's it's the transitional play more than anything in the defensive zone support that really functions as a five-man unit that may or may not be as obvious when you're playing in the queue, especially because so much of it comes from skating halfway up in the neutral zone and then doing it along the dotted line, faking an outside cut, cutting inside, knowing you've got a trailer behind you, back pass, backhand passing it to him, and then immediately following him up, but knowing the exact moment when you need to cut laterally to space out the check so he can pass back to you so you can hit the guy on the weak side. It's like that those plays happen in the queue, but they don't happen as much. And you need to, and that's just like one of quite literally an infinite amount of problems that can uh, over that a player has to overcome in the neutral zone when driving play up ice. And he's, there's nothing really that I would say is like a direct flaw. It's just getting better at it and looking more as a pro. Like he, he can't help it if his teammates aren't skilled enough or aren't, reading the ice or his coaches and you know there's a bunch of external factors factors that are limiting him but as long as he's thinking it like a like he's going to have to in the ahl next year quick decisions lateral cuts playing off puck going like giving goes working through and understanding when and like the timing for when space opens up and the cuts that you have to make within them and the decisions you then have to make afterwards and understanding it all within the flow of the game without ever really having to stop to think about it then that's the type of stuff you want to see from him this year. It won't show up on his, it won't show up on his elite prospect scoring page, but it, it, it is go. It's the difference maker between him making it or not. You, you, you need to be able to do it on a windy night in Stoke in January. Exactly. <laughs> that's the perfect way of explaining. You need a windy night on Stoke. Yeah. Well, uh, you mentioned it a little bit before and, and, you know, leadership and, and, and that kind of thing. And, one of the reasons that it's rumored that Wright fell in the draft was the leadership or the interviews. And Montreal obviously picked Owen Beck in the second round at number 33, uh, first, first pick more or less in the, in the second round. And uh, rumor has it, and, and what's been described a little bit, is a poor man Shane Wright or, or the second option Shane Wright. <laughs> I see it. I didn't see it at first, but I, I get it now. It took me a minute to like... Because when I first heard that, my brain just immediately went like, I don't see Shane Wright and Owen Beck as comparables. But if you're looking for players that kind of function the same role, they are similar. You cannot expect the same level of upside, though. I, I, I don't think I'm as... I might be wrong on this because I appear to be in the minority with Owen Beck. And it's not that I don't like Owen Beck. I actually do quite a bit. Uh, it, it took me a while for him to grow on me because I, I think I... Sometimes when you're scouting these players, you you can get a really bad first or second game for your sample, and it creates it like you're building a player image in your head of like you're creating what they a are. bias more or less. Yeah, exactly. That's where I'm going with this. You can accidentally bias yourself against a certain player, and as a result, you can devalue certain things they do well, overvalue the wrong like mistakes. Every single scout is susceptible to it, but a level of awareness kind of clicks in. Normally, the the good scouts will have this issue too. They just realize around the mid-season mark, they're like, okay, wait, like th- these last viewings are better 
and then you kind of you start to have your wires crossed in your brain for the rest of the viewing. This is kind of what happened to me and Owen Beck. Problem is, is I didn't get my wires crossed until like the spring, and I was kind of going back and doing viewings at the end. Poor man Shane Wright is a pretty good way of working looking at it. Owen Beck is a really good play driver. Like he was the primary dude on his line for the most part. He he plays like a guy who want who he plays like a number one dude on a line. I don't think he has the skills to do it in the NHL. Not because he's not good enough. It's because the standard that the NHL sets is so high and it's only getting higher with each year. Like if this was four years ago, I think Owen I like I would have looked at Owen Beck as a much better prospect in terms of like NHL upside because his tools aren't bad by any means. Like almost what I said seems too harsh reflecting on it right now, but the standards demanded there is like 12 players in the draft who actually have the tools in their current form to be those top guys in the NHL. I didn't file Owen Beck under that category. Um, I also don't know if he's a center long-term, although he should be because he's better at playing through middle ice than he is on the perimeter. It's just, again, it's one of those, do you have the tools to pull it off kind of thing? He's skilled. He's got great sense away from the puck, which is his biggest strength, I think, is his ability to read play away from the puck. And the whole Shane, right? Like a uh, second edition Shane, right? Kind of thing comes from Wright's biggest strength i think that a lot of people used against him was his patience and composure while waiting to make a play he knew like the exact moment to jump in and make the most impactful play so it looks like like i remember there was one play i saw on uh, going around it was a gif of right kind of just like lurking a bit too long you kind of think okay you should have taken a step or come in like that puck's coming out any second now like you aren't in position to do it do anything with it and then the board battle ends right picks up the puck and without even really looking just kind of pivots cleanly passes it to the weak side and that guy kind of whips on a really good opportunity to make something amazing happen but it, it it was that composure to just sit there he knew the exact moment he didn't need to stick handle through and break defensive layers like that. He just knew how to like, okay, well there's the defense is going to shift in three, two, one. Okay. Pass right through them all. And now it's a great chance. Owen Beck is kind of the same way. He doesn't have the same high end processing that Wright does, but that's not a flaw against him. That's more of just like, that's why Shane Wright was a first overall pick for almost his entire life until he wasn't 95% (laughs) until he wasn't. Um, That's like, that's what Shane Wright is. He's, he's got he's got a computer inside of his brain whereas Owen Beck is just he's a really really smart player and can do the same thing he puts in more effort though which is like obviously something like Owen Beck would have taken those extra steps and he would have got the puck back he wouldn't uh, this is all just a hypothetical situation making it's not even a real play that happened but like going back to the Shane Wright one like he would have went back he would have taken those extra steps early he would have got the puck free but he wouldn't have been able to time the pass through the rotation because he came in a little early so they would have accounted for him a bit sooner, but he would have done some, he would have seen a teammate cutting off of the board and done a quick short pass to him or something like that instead, which still drives play forward and still a smart play. And it's still a good play. And it's just not as impactful as Wright's was, but he picks his moments. He reads the play. He reads game really well. He's better at thinking at high pace than play than actually like 
playing at it, I think, which is a good thing because it's harder to teach someone to read high pace hockey at at the highest level Mm -hmm. than it is to like do minor tool improvements. Like Owen Beck's not, he just, he, he will benefit from faster skating. Of course he will. He will benefit from sharper cuts and gaining more separation from a small area game. Of course he will. He benefit from tightening up his handling mechanics a bit so that he can deceive a pass or a shot that more ah, be better at dece- deceiving a pass or a shot when carrying the puck. Cause of course, like those are all just the small things. There's no, these are technical things that you can yeah. actually work on. Whereas thinking the game, it's not like you can watch video and push it to point, 1.5 speed in order to, to learn to think faster. Exactly. So my thing with Beck is I I had him a little lower than where the Habs took him. I think it was around 40, mostly just because I liked the, a few of the names ahead of him just a bit more, like a, a, like a gut feeling on a couple of guys who I thought were being a little underrated. The other thing was mostly just that I'm not – entirely sure what owen beck is when he's not like the number one guy on a line because i don't think he's going to be that in the nhl like the best case scenario of him being the guy driving a line is like a third line center which there's nothing wrong with that like third like a good third line center not like just saying it like a generic oh he's just a 3c or whatever like no a good third line center is a very valuable thing to have a lot harder to find than people think and especially if you bring it up your own organization as well you don't have to pay an extra draft pick for it or or something like that not at all and that's a big that's a big win in terms of uh asset management and then owen beck himself is just like he he has the possibility to be more he also has the possibility to be less don't get me wrong but like he has the possibility to be more as well so it's when the likely outcome is third line player there's a bit like if everything goes right they have the brain to be in a higher role and if everything goes wrong, they might just slip into like the fourth line or be a fringe AHL or like, that's a pretty good bet to make in the early third. There's not a lot of players at that point who or sorry, early second. There's not a lot of players who that available at that point who I would have been like, why didn't you take them? I, I mean, I did with Jagger Furcus. I'm not going to lie. I really <laughs> wanted Jagger Furcus there. I was just like, I wanted Hudson and Fergus. Those were the picks we made. Obviously, the Hudson one worked out. The Fergus one, he he lasted like two more picks than he won. But Owen Beck is perfectly fine, man. Like he's gonna be—he's a solid prospect. You have a monster in Slavkovsky. You have a really high-end, little risky but high-end player in Philip Massar. <clears throat> it's time, like picking up that. He has upside. He has safety. He's really projectable. He's really smart. Apparently, he interviewed really well. And uh, I can definitely look back at the Owen Beck pick and see this being one of those. Like, yeah, yeah they, they were right, and I was just kind of, like, oh, wrong. It's another one of those things as well where, like, if I was sitting with Owen Beck and could do some video sessions with him, like, my whole theory would be I want to show them specific plays mm-hmm. I've picked – and ask them their thought process and understand what's going on. And I want to see if they're kind of like picking up on the weakness that I saw or whatever. And if they can address that, then, okay, that, that means that it's a lot easier to fix certain, some of these problems than, than it is from just watching it on my computer at home. Like there's, we, it's easy to not 
give it's easy to undervalue what the players can actually provide because you don't get to see it all and the personality like we talked about earlier like it's such a big difference and all in all solid pick good player average to above average tools across the board just not entirely sure of his play identity as it is of like the center who's driving the play setting up his wings supporting the defenders like just kind of doing it all as he should like as an nhl word but i just don't know if it's he can be the guy at the highest level which isn't a downside to, or it's not a detraction against him it's extremely difficult there's only a handful of prospects every draft who actually have the ability to be like that top play driver without some like unprecedented steps in development after the draft so yeah I, I i'm excited like he will play like i'm pretty convinced we're gonna see owen back in a, in a montreal jersey for more than just like a little bit unless he gets traded indeed and and uh well it's interesting we put him at number 14 at number 13 a guy picked after him. <laughs> and and maybe, as you said, one of your favorite players of the, in the whole draft, uh, oh, yeah. Lane Hudson. Um, and, and that's actually the reason I wanted to bring you on, because I know how high you were, Lane Hudson. And, uh, well, I've, I've given you the microphone for the better half of an hour or half an hour. So now I'm just going to lean back and learn from the best. Lane Hudson, floor is yours, Zab. Kid's a freak of nature. The he is <sighs> Lane Hudson is so good at hockey that him being five eight is almost like a cruel joke from the gods. Like he, he is one of those slam dunk can't miss picks if he's just a few inches taller. There are flaws in this game, though. Don't get me wrong. And there are other scouts who could sit there and rag on them. There are some nitpicky details that aren't so much nitpicky, but they like they're problems that I think like you can just expect any player to get out in development. There are some people think there are mechanical deficiencies within his game. I'm less in time. I'm less in tune with biomechanics like i can just kind of recognize when someone's got good form when they don't have good form but my thing always goes back to like it's the nhl like you can find tons of players with wonky mechanics in the nhl that still make it work like what more what's more important is are you deceptive are you manipulative do you know how to use those skills and how well do you process the game lane hudson is just like a screaming yes across the board he's so smart and has the right head on the shoulders in terms of just driving play forward. Like he's, he can come up with a solution to almost any problem that comes his way. It's incredible. Whether like I have seen him diversify his breakout, just all the games I watched throughout the year. I think I watched more Lane Hudson games than anybody else. It's like, even at the end of the year, he's still coming up with some new solution to solve a problem he's seen two or three four or five maybe even like a hundred times before and it, it's a new solution every time and it's absolutely staggering to watch like he's his vision to launch long passes is as good as anybody in the draft like he can nail a long pass through multiple defensive layers with such precision that's incredible his passing itself which it should be separated from playmaking. Like they're two different things, but like playmaking is like the art of actually like, like making sure that the space is there for their players to work with, to create plays pretty much like you're creating the situation. So for a play to be made, 
but passing itself is like the actual art of getting the puck to someone in where their job is as easy as it is to catch the puck and lane hudson is just like flawless at this like whether it's a quick little like backhand short pass no one has to break stride it it lands right on their tape as if they didn't stop skating and then they get to just keep going with it that little it's really underrated when watching junior players but it's a, it's not really something that happens in the nhl how often do you see an nhl player like really have to reach or bobble a puck like sometimes it happens if a pass is made by somebody under pressure but like if these guys are in practice, every pass is going straight to the tape without breaking stride. Hudson is still somehow better than almost all of them at doing it. Like his passing is already above NHL level. Like nobody breaks stride. Everyone, he just makes whatever they're thinking. They don't have to be like, okay, how do I catch this pass? Oh, okay. It bobbled a little bit. I got to put it on my backhand forehand. How am I going to like, how, how do, am I, okay. I don't have full momentum anymore. Like, how do I get out of it? It's not with Hudson. You just, you catch the puck and you go. It, it's incredible. His Offensive zone play is just hilarious. It's all driven down the ozone funnel. So that's pretty much starting at the blue lines and going towards a net. It's pretty much just, I don't know how else to describe it other than doing <laughs> that stupid little hand gesture thing, but in, in, it's in, pretty much just a funnel the towards the whole area. Yeah. It starts, it's the blue, it's the corners at the blue line at, and then a, like a line that arcs towards the goal line, uh, the goalie posts. And it's just, you want to play through that offensive funnel because nine times out of 10, that's where offense comes from. Like you start on the perimeter and then the whole concept is you moving laterally in towards the goalie. So it forces people to have to play not just a North South, but an East West. And that's the easiest way to generate passing lanes is to play through that offensive zone funnel. That's also how he activates in the offensive zone too. Like he doesn't just like activate down the wall and then he's just like cuts in at the end. Like he, he will funnel, he'll follow the path of the funnel in when making just about any plays or he'll be just slightly off the line, but knows how to play through the line. He knows the second someone overcommits on the outside, he can go inside. He's got the timing for all of this down flawlessly. What some people are less sold on admittedly, like under and understandably. So is whether or not he can project this because he overlies on a handful of moves skill wise the most patented one that i'm sure every habs fan has seen the highlight video more than once now is that little weight shift uh sidestep he does mm -hmm. where he's looking like he's he's faking a play ahead of time he's got someone challenging him at the blue line and then he kind of just fakes it one way and then shifts his weight and sidesteps and the handling is so tight that he keeps the puck under perfect control and is just able to move around them but he doesn't get enough separation for that to really work against top nhl players and he also like it's just it's the nhl if you over rely on any move they're they're not dumb they're just going to be like oh so the kid's always going to do the sidestep okay the wait for the sidestep. okay now i poke checked it free and then he's also off momentum and he's also kind of your defenseman and now you've got a rush going the other way mm. he's out of position the coach would lose his the coach would lose his mind <laughs> Yeah, or, or they just hit him and, and he's on the ice. Or that too. I, I think that he, he'll have the escape. He's really, he's small, right? Like he's yeah. been aware of not getting hit for a long duration of his career. He's really good at escaping, not getting hit. But like, I don't think he'll have an issue with getting hit a lot in the NHL. I think he's going to have more of an issue of like, he will escape getting hit by such a thin margin that he doesn't really have a lot of play options. And at that point, it's like, it doesn't matter how skilled you are, how smart you are. Like if you don't have options, you don't have options. So the whole thing right now is that he's able to constantly 
avoid pressure, escape into space, never not have options. And he always understands what he can do. It's it like, but as you go up the pro hockey ladder, like it, there's less players who are, or there's less options at any given time. The ones you do have need to be set up better. It's super hard to deceive top level players. Like a super underrated, like junior players can do something awesome all they want. But if you can't, if they don't look, there's a reason why most of them don't make it, even though they're all highly skilled and their highlight reels all look amazing. It's because like they, they just, you can't deceive NHL players. There's a smartness to it. Like you need to threaten multiple real options at that level. If you can't, your little moves not going to work. They're going to see right through and they're going to level you. And Hudson. also like the NHL players have the video scouting scouts will tell you this is what exactly. this kid is going to do. You're, you're you don't have that at juniors. Yeah. You're going to be told ahead of time as well. on the pre-scout there's a lot like Lane Hudson right now in his current form is a player who'd get pre-scouted and completely game planned against. If Lane Hudson gets faster and I'm going to kind of say when Lane Hudson gets faster, not if when he gets faster, this changes everything it's not so much about top end speed and it's not even that lane hudson's a bad skater like if he's 5'11 he's in the nhl as a lock even with like just like minor skating upgrades it, but it, it's at his height like there's no room for like you need to be like think about how good of a skater quinn hughes is lane hudson is not on that level and lane hudson isn't particularly close to it now he's still a better skater than most but that like hughes is well, he's Hughes. Like, I don't have to sell Quinn Hughes's footwork and mobility. He's in, he's sensational. Hudson, more than anything, needs that lateral agility. There are people, like, there there are claims, and it, they're not wrong, that he he doesn't really ex, uh, access his outside edges as much. Like, the, his defensive footwork, just in general, he doesn't mimic footwork as well. There's certain there's certain plays that someone can make when they're attacking him that can kind of bait him one way. And he doesn't have the ability to catch his momentum and launch it the other way. It's pretty much like what I'll boil it down to in terms of mechanics. Like he can't always, you can, if he commits his weight to one side, like fully commits it, not like the sidestep weight shift where he hasn't committed it yet. Like once he's fully committed it, he doesn't have a lot of options and players will be able to take advantage of that. And some guys can make, do with physicality or with a longer wings like longer wingspan with meaning more reach and then they can just position themselves accordingly and if they lose a little bit of momentum it's fine because they're still guarding the center lane hudson will have none of these advantages he will have absolutely none he has very short wingspan he has no ability he you can't rely on him to like physically outplay out just out muscle players you can count on his positioning aspect. His positioning is great, but it's like it's positioning great for his level. Again, it's like it's the NHL. Like they will manipulate him. They will get his momentum going one way because all of them are talented enough to do it. And it's like, okay, what can he do when he's already at every physical limitation and now his weight's going the other way? And he's a defender too. Like this is why five eight forwards are can be a thing. Five eight defenders. Yeah. Well, he had a doctor's note. Let's be honest. He manipulated everyone with that. <laughs> okay it that might actually be a real thing and if it is it's like the, the i i remember the day i heard this story i was laughing so hard like i i want it to be a thing so badly because i truly do believe in this kid like the the problem solving in terms of like over relying on specific skill moves and things like this they're not a long-term issue i think mostly just because smart players are not like just smart in certain things like I got, okay, I'll just say it like this. 
smart players tend to be already aware of their flaws. And it's not like Lane Hudson goes, oh, I need to do the sidestep here. Every time someone challenges me, it's more likely Lane Hudson thinking, I wonder if I can get him again. <laughs> just like, <laughs> I wonder if I could just keep like, and it's true because it works like 90% of the time. Like he, he does it and it with success almost every time. Is it muscle I, memory? Is it already down in the brainstem? Yeah, to some extent. But it's just like when Hudson reaches the point, not if, when Hudson reaches the point where players are going to be able to reduce this effectiveness, it could be in the NCAA. It will be to some extent. And then <clears throat> more importantly, in the when he goes pro in the AHL or the NHL, when Hudson runs into issues with this, do people really think that he's just going to sit there and go like, Ah oh, man, I tried the sidestep weight move again and it didn't work. I got, I'll get him next time. It's no, like he's got so many tricks in up his sleeve. He has such an understanding of play. He is really I, I like to call it kind of like creating the conditions you want on the ice. He is really in tune of understanding like what he can do with his current space and time and what he can't do. And he's really good at knowing like what is required to set up certain moves and he will set them up a certain way. And if they can't get set up, he just, he doesn't do them. Like you don't often see him force something. And if you do, you can like, he does sometimes, but when you're, you're one of the most talented players in the world and that at that rail at that level, you are the most talented puck mover on the USNTP. It's not even close. And your entire team absolutely loves you because you're hilarious on the ice. You're going to tell me you're not going to do some dumb stuff once in a while. I mean, Logan Cooley was doing the same thing. Like Logan Cooley looked like he was just experimenting for a solid month there where he was just like, how many people can I beat in a row where he would just like deny passing lanes that you'd see him take like three months earlier, just to like challenge players one-on-one -on -one, just to see what he can do. And like that, there's a bit of experimentation from some of those USNTP players this year. Hudson and Cooley were the two I thought like really stood out the most. Like Hudson is really good at creating the conditions he wants to make the plays he wants. So that's done through off puck movement, understanding the rotations of defensive structures, understanding your role within the offensive triangle when you're involved in play, how to re like when to reload, deactivate, reactivate. Like those are all the underlying surface details prior to every touch of the puck and Hudson's amazing with them. That's the more important part because when the specific moves stop working, that's fine. He has, he can just do a bunch of other stuff. Like there was a play I've never seen him do this to I've seen him do it. Cause I know it's a skill, but <clears throat> not like to this extent, he was defending a, 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 a rush and the carrier who was, he was attacking him kind of just fumbles it a bit and like kind of beats himself and lets the puck kind of just like go and Hudson just grabs it and he looks and he pivots and he's looking towards this all happened on the left face off circle. So he looks towards the right third, like the right two thirds of the ice and he's about to do something. And then he just fires a backhand right off the boards, right up the right off to the left side of the ice banks it off the center line right off the boards hits a perfect teammate moving in stride without them having to break. I've seen defenders go in the top 64 of a draft who mess up those passes sometimes 
when it's just a long pass when they're looking at them because that's just difficult to hit someone in motion it's uh, across a distance sometimes lane hudson no looked it off the boards off of his backhand through two defenders while looking and faking the other way entirely and the forward himself wasn't even really prepped for it. Like mm-hmm. you can see, I rewound the play and I saw Hudson catch him on a pre-scan and Hudson just like, okay, he's over there and like sells it and fires it off the cannons, it off the boards, banks it right onto a stick. And the player, I think it might've been Isaac Howard is just kind of like completely caught off guard, but he's like, Oh, okay, this is great. And then he drives play and not, like it doesn't turn into anything, but it was a dangerous situation for the USNTP. And Howard's the guy who was dangerous in the offensive zone, but it was Hudson who did it. And he did it off of one touch, one pre-scan, his body language going one way, and then just like a perfect pass that no one can see coming. And that's the type of like play that even in the NHL, like they're not going to see that coming because there's no reason to. Like he's every single thing he's threatening is on the right two thirds of the ice, let alone a no look bank pass that precisely. And the weird, like, for those with video, like it wasn't even like a clean, like hits the board like this and then bounces back out. It was like a weird comes up like on a thin line and then hits and then bounced out still, which meant he had some, I, I, I couldn't see cause of, you know, camera and all, but like it was some level of a rolling puck that he managed to do it on. Well, what, normally what I was describing called, is more or less a messy pass that no one really figures out how he did. Yeah. More or less that, that, like you can just like there are I guess where I'm going with this to save everyone the trouble is like Hudson makes regular plays where it's messy and it's chaotic sometimes you're wondering how he does it and then you watch it and you can pause it and you can rewind it and you can catch you need to rewind it three to four times to catch all of the details that he he was aware of like how he lured the first player then what the second player did as a result but how he knew the second player was going to move that way so then he passed behind him it's just like it's insane the level of like how well he reads the full macro game while handling individual problems around the ice that's what separates him from everyone else it's what makes him such a high-end player it's why he's it's less like i wonder if he can be the offensive puck moving defenseman that montreal desperately needs and more so like oh, okay he is just is the kid gonna get tall enough and is the kid gonna get fast enough that's pretty much it and, and who we play him with that can cover some of that deficiency that's that a he big part of it too yeah. I, I mean like i'm sold on lane hudson even if i ranked him the lowest of, of the whole bunch uh I'm, he will be a professional ice hockey player because if he doesn't make it into the NHL, he will go to the NLA or he will go to the SHL and he will have a fantastic career. Oh, in, 100%. Like, he's not the type where it's like, oh, they hit 20, they're not very good at pro. It's just like, no, the pros are going to be like, how does a kid read the game like this? It's more yeah. so just like, is he going to have tools? Him in the SHL, if it doesn't all work out, would be the most hilarious thing because the space and the way the D to D, the way the, just the entire Swedish, you know better than anybody, yeah. like the Swedish hockey system, the way the D's play off off of each other is entirely different and there's much more space to work with and lane hudson with tons of space is just hilarious like there's very few defenders that are like this i i truly believe that in terms of like driving play while in space lane hudson was the best defenseman in the 2022 nhl draft like he i kept like i ranked him i think 20th or 19th overall at the end and if he was 5'11 
the exact same player, not even skating up here, and just like the exact same player is five eleven. That's a slam dunk top ten pick. Yeah, I heard top five even in some cases, I, but if, but yeah, yeah, it's it's insane. And the the interesting bit, I mean, like the ceiling is so high. It's absurd. It's so high. It's but, the but, perfect pick at the end of the yeah. second. But but on the other hand, the bottom can be very low. There's and right now we don't know where, where that's going to end up. Hope I mean everyone hopes. Every, I rank him lowest. I hope that he will succeed. Partly because it's such a great story. Yeah. And partly it's my team that picked him. But but yeah. <laughs> in another way, you also have to consider that you know you have to consider can he really make it into the NHL? And the other thing I I need to ask because this is something that I've been thinking about. You know. The last couple of days since we set this up, can Lane Hudson actually be moved to the wing? I know that Eric Carlson played wing a few times in practices, and I think even in the World Cup they put him on a few shifts as a winger. Eric Carlson is—he's uh, like a monster for other reasons. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's like one of the greatest to ever. Before his injury, he was like one of the greatest defensemen yeah. to ever play the game. Um, it's he carried Ottawa to a, to a semifinal. Actually, just to say this, I kind of think I'm gonna go watch Eric Carlson on the wing and just see what he was like because that was probably amazing. Um, I don't think Lane Hudson he he could do it. Like theoretically, he can do it. Which even mo like people say like theoretically, this defenseman can. It's like no, he can't. No, most of them mm-hmm. cannot. No, Hudson. I think actually theoretically could, but I still, I don't think it would work. Um, The biggest reason is mostly just some of Hudson's best skills are defensive responsibilities. Like Mm -hmm. his, something I didn't speak on, but his ability to like retrieve a defensive puck off the boards and handle the first layer of four checker or even both, like both four checkers at once and get the, like get a controlled exit is Mm -hmm sensational like and and that's a really valuable skill that is non-existent the second he becomes a winger with winger hudson would be the guy leading the charge up the ice getting the pass and looking for the place to make but in that like context of him like rushing into the zone being the guy to find space and kind of set up how the team is going to play in the ozone and then contribute in a cycle I could see him fitting in the role i don't think he would stand out in the role there's a bit of a Mm -hmm. difference between like doing it and succeeding with it yeah there's a the biggest difference between offensive d who are who can become wings and why 90 percent of them are like wouldn't even be able to do it and why the other 10 percent shouldn't do it is because wings play the offensive zone entirely different than defenders do hudson isn't engaged like the issues hudson has physically are still going to exist in the offensive zone but now you're asking him to be a four checker. He would like, in that case, he cannot avoid physicality. He will get mauled. He will get thrown around. He won't be able to recover a lot of pucks on the chances. He does. He's not even in like what I was talking about earlier about like create the conditions you succeed. in. he's not in those conditions anymore. Like he can 
contribute deep in the offensive zone at times, but there's a reason why there's a defender up there right now, because the play is formed a certain way that requires a defenseman up there. And Hudson was smart enough to jump in and understands the space and timing he has. That is different than like being a four checker who has to play behind the goal line a lot or play deep in the zone, rotate out to the lines. He's, he can shoot like his shots fine for what it is, but he's not like, he doesn't have a, huge shot threat either which means a lot like it's not respected as much as an option so people will be focusing more on the passing but whereas Hudson working that offensive funnel that I was talking about earlier where he's like gets the puck at the blue line and he's moving not just towards the goal line but also laterally as well that's the space that he's really comfortable in that's the space where he can set up plays and facilitate and stuff like this. And he can even stay deep in the zone for an extended stretch, even if a winger comes back where he's temp- like playing like a temporary third forward. But the, re- like, the second it dissol- devolves back into like grinding along the boards, it's not Hudson who's going to stay up there. He's now no. immediately looking back to see, okay, can I, when can I rotate? Do you, are you covering me? I need to get back to the point. Please, I'm going to get mauled. Like, no. it, it's kind of the flow of it with him. So. Yeah. It could work if you developed him starting today, but the you player won't do he that be- today either because yeah, he, and, he and the player he'd become, and that's just to make him like in a like an NHLer. It wouldn't make him like a high end one. Yeah. Whereas, like if he stays on defense, the sea, the sky is the limit. Like the, if everything works out with Lane Hudson in the NHL, that's the type of guy who'd be like top ten in defensive scoring at the end of the season. Like that's yeah. what he, that's the type he is. You don't want to like sacrifice that player and like the, let's say it's a 50, 50 chance. It's probably lower than that, but let's just say it's a 50, 50 chance that he pans out in the NHL. Like you, you, I'd rather take the coin flip and him not make it at all. than just remove the possibility of a high end player to draft a winger. Like if you're drafting for high upside players, you, you take the high upside route. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Cause you need to look at it as like, okay, well, this is, I'm drafting four years in a row and I take a lot of high upside players over the course of those four years. I might draft less NHLers, but the ones getting are really, really good. And that tends to be the difference maker because you can't get stars. You can get depth players. It costs assets. Yes. But try and go trade for Quinn Hughes. Mm-hmm. Go try and do it. What do we have to give up? We have to give up Hudson and then we have to give up like an arm, a leg and half of the franchise. Yeah. yeah. Like, Indeed. You've been listening to Sam McGillian. Achillean, yeah. I said it with, with, with a hard edge to you, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, you got yeah. it. <laughs> uh, you find him at Sam underscore MacGillian, and I will put a uh, um, a link into it, into the article, and also into the podcast. Uh, you find him at McKean's, and um, you have heard what an awesome job he does and his insights into ice hockey. Fantastic to have you on, Sam. Thank I you, really bro. appreciate it. It's interesting the, actually being on here because I, I, this is my first time kind of doing Habs-based content because uh, I've tried to separate my fandom from the scouting side of things, but it's actually kind of cool to actually yeah. be on here. I'm, 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 I'm sure that you're going to get a few more questions, not only from us, but also probably from <laughs> others uh, in regards to not this. By me. It's, it's been great, man. Um, Thank you for having me, seriously. Yeah, and uh, we'll be back in a few days with... Uh, the next two before we hit the top 10 of the top 25 and 25.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.